0: Hello and welcome to In the Spotlight with Quocerca, the definitive podcast on digital disruption in the print industry. I'm Luella Fernandez, Director of QuoCirca, and today I'm joined by Oscar Sanchez, CEO of Kyocera Document Solutions America. So welcome, Oscar, it's great to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Luella. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Yeah, so I just uh, thought we could start with, um, I mentioned I um, met you um, quite a few years ago in the UK now, and I think it would be great to sort of understand your, your career history at Kyocera and maybe how the business has changed since you joined the company. Yeah,
1: well, I've been in the company for 25 years. So I have been in the printing industry for a long time already. And um, of course, 25 years ago, we we're talking about printing. And that's what uh, we we're selling. That's what our industry uh, was doing. And I think now we see, um, we have seen in the last years, uh, a movement from the physical document into the digital document. So as I said, that's something that we have seen happening in the last uh, 10 years. But I think probably in the last year, after you know uh, all the um, issues going on with COVID-19, people working from home, I think that the demand for uh, document solutions for digitalization of processes, for uh, workflow management uh, have become bigger and bigger. Uh, So we see that uh, all those trends that uh, we saw before COVID-19 have been accelerated in the last 15 months.
0: It would be interesting, actually, because you were based in Europe for so long. Are there any particular differences you see in the the European market versus the U.S. market in terms of how you're shaping the strategy and vision for Zero in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, of course, there are are different markets. Um, And again, here... Probably, uh, you know, during COVID nineteen, we have seen that some of the trends that uh, that were going on have been really accelerated. I think in in, in Europe we have we we saw uh, some years ago a big movement from A three to A four, so from bigger devices to smaller devices because they were more efficient and also, I think in Europe there were um, you know biggest concern bigger concern about. Uh, footprint and about, uh, you know, probably sustainability and having devices that don't consume so much energy. So that movement from A3 to A4 happened in Europe, um, what was happening in Europe many, some years ago. Here in the U.S., it was an A3 driven market, but then now all of a sudden, again, with COVID-19, uh, we see a big uh, peak in demand uh, for A4 products. And I think that changes a little bit the, the landscape of the, of the industry. I think uh, probably another another factor is the, the concern about the environment and the protection of the environment. Maybe here was not uh, uh, something that was really big. I think now it's in the political agenda. And at the same time, this is uh, creating uh, the, the new concern in, in many customers. So I think this is also happening here. I think generally speaking in the industry, probably the biggest change that are the biggest difference that I see with Europe is that there is a lot of uh, private equity activity here in the US, uh, very much involved in acquiring dealers and really uh, helping dealers as well to, to, to uh, grow and to invest money on them. Um, not that that's not something that is not happening in Europe, but probably that's more concentrated in the UK, maybe in France, but in the rest of the countries of Europe, there are not so much uh, M&A activity and not so much presence of uh, private equity. And I think that's a major player here in the US uh, if I compare that with uh, with, uh, with Europe.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to you. Um, there's a couple of things I want to kind of pick up on there. So you mentioned about the shift from A3 to A4. And, you know, clearly with more remote working and, you know, I guess employees um, needing products in, in their home environment, have you seen a big change in the sales channels that, um Kyocera is having to expand, you know, perhaps the kind of B2B e-commerce side of things. And how is Kyocera adapting to those changes?
1: Well, at the end, what is clear is that e-commerce is a major disruption in any industry. I think probably um, until now, e-commerce has been more focused on on B2C. So we thought, and many of, of us, many of our competitors, Kiosera, were not so much focused on B2C. So that's something that was a little bit, um, you know, not, not so much affecting us. But now uh, I think that more companies would realize that if, uh, you know, we have been at home being able to buy everything online, when we go back to our business, why we are not able to do the same uh, to do uh, any kind of acquisition for our business. So that's something that we cannot, uh, we cannot ignore. That doesn't mean that our dealers uh, will not play a role on that. But I think that uh, we need to understand and our dealers need to understand that uh, e-commerce is a major uh, driving factor in any industry. And I think that more than seeing it as a threat, and we have to see that as an opportunity. And I think that we as Kia we are trying to, to work with our partners to help them create uh, e-commerce uh, engines that they can use to promote their products and especially probably to the low range of the product line I think that we'll see that more and more those posts will be acquired through through e-commerce platforms.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting trend, particularly with employees. Purchasing their own devices online, like you said, the kind of B2C side, but also how that's influencing the, the B2B purchasing channel. So, it's you know, it's great to hear that you're focusing, you know, increasingly on that kind of e-commerce opportunity. So you mentioned that you're helping your channel partners address that, that opportunity. But are there any other ways you're helping the channel take advantage of opportunities around areas like content management, uh, document solutions in general, and also um, automation, um, security, and, you know, perhaps, you know, broader IT services? Yeah, I think that
1: the times that uh, that a supplier, uh, you know, all have, we have to do, I mean, that's a lot already, but uh, basically you have to focus on providing a good product with a good price. Uh, of course, that's the basic thing that you need to do as a supplier. But I think that uh, right now the markets are very competitive and I think that our partners demand more from us. Uh, so here in the US, you see really big dealers. I think that probably that's another big difference. You compare that with Europe. You, can, uh, you have some dealers with revenues of 400, 500 million. So really the size of those companies are really big and they have the means to really invest and, and create uh, the kind of value that they need for the customers. But at the same time, you have dealers that they need uh, to get the support of, the, of, of us as suppliers to develop uh, you know, their, their presence in markets like IT, like ECM, to improve the technology. At the end, I think every organization right now is involved for driving some kind of corporate transformation. And I think that some dealers, they have difficulties to know what to do and how to do. So I think that the way that we see Kiosair as, as a value provider is that we need to help dealers in that transition. So that's why, for instance, we're trying to develop an e-commerce engine that our dealers can use. Uh, we're trying to develop new ways of selling. I think that we are, much focusing on subscription, subscription-based subscription services that i think that will be demanded more and more and we want to explain our dealers how this business can help them to to grow in this way of doing this way of, of, of doing business and at the same time we are involved in investing in technology and workflow automation and we believe that we need to use that te- same technology and that same know-how and they can leverage our experience and our investments to try to help them grow so at the end, I think that uh, more than ever, I think that the, the whole idea of partnership become, become, uh, plays a major role now if we want to help our dealers transform to the new market reality.
0: Yeah, so it's very much about the channel adapting to the kind of post-pandemic world, I guess. And, you know, I think um, those opportunities like beyond e-commerce, but also solutions and IT services, you know, we, we definitely see as key to future growth
1: and innovation in the market. But I think that, you know, some dealers at the beginning, I think that they were in this stage of denial, believing that, well, once um, COVID-19 is gone, uh, then things will go back to normal. And I think that we need to admit that that will never happen. And maybe this sounds, uh, you know, uh, 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 a big statement, but printing volumes will never come back to the volumes that we had before COVID-19 That's a reality. So we need to adapt to that. That doesn't mean that our business cannot grow, but I think that we need to find new um, uh, uh, business streams, revenue streams and new business opportunities because printing volumes will decline. Not Not everybody will go back to the office. That means that the number of devices will be less than we had before. And I think that's something that you cannot deny and then you need to understand and adapt to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think with uh, managed print services, there's a real opportunity for the channel to, in, I, I guess, change their offering so that they can actually help um, businesses move from that sort of A3 to A4 distributed environment. Offer solutions that help digitization and you know business process automation. So, like you say, it's kind of the flip side of the print volumes declining. It's where do you get um, you know the the new revenue opportunities from that and. We see, and actually I, I did have a look at the, the website earlier and I, I thought it was really nice the way that Keir frames it on the, the US site. I think you talked about five, the five S's. Um, I think it was scalability, serv- serviceability, savings, um security and sustainability. I remembered all of them. I was pleased with that. Um, but it's um I think that's a really good way to show that there there are five opportunities how NPS providers can actually have those conversations with their customers and Sustainability is one I wanted to come back to because I know Kyocera has always been very strong on the sustainability messaging mm-hmm. and um, with environmental, social and governance kind of um, initiatives in place. Could you give me a bit of insight into how that's changing, I guess, generally for Kyocera? And are there any particular initiatives that are driving forward more since the pandemic?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that, uh, as you said, the environment has been always something that... Uh, you know, protection of the environment has been our DNA. I think our technology in our in our printers, the ecosystem technology has been around for more than 30 years. And that's about protection of the environment. We have long life components that, uh, that do not need to be replaced uh, often. So that means that the waste is heavily reduced if we compare with other brands. So again, that's something that has been around for a long time, it will always be in our focus so that, that will not change. But at the same time, we understand that it's, you know, uh, corporate social responsibility is not only about protection of the environment, there are many other elements uh, connected. And I think here in the US, something that happened in the last year is not really connected with COVID-19, it's more connected with you know, the, the uh, racial conflict that we, we saw here uh, in the US one year ago with uh, a terrible um, um, uh, happenings here that really affected the way that probably the society were looking, about, uh, what looking at uh, uh, racial injustice. So I think that the, uh, I think there is one component in the, this corporate social responsibility which is about diversity that became extremely important here in the US. I think, of course, all over the world, but I'd say that especially here in the US, because what happened last year, uh, I think, it was a wake-up call for many organizations that uh, we need to put diversity as uh, one of our main main focus and main areas of contributing to the advancement of society. So we understood that message from Kia uh, we included diversity in uh, one of our four core values. Uh, that's something that we try to look at in, you know, our development, uh, uh, people development uh, uh, strategies, uh, recruiting of people, but also uh, when we get involved with the communities to try to contribute to, to solve a problem that uh, is very evident that is still out there. And, uh, and again, I think that's something that probably the last year uh, changed the perspective of many organizations uh, and uh, uh, helped us to put more focus on on, 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 try to solve these problems. So I would say that that has been the major change that I have seen, I have seen in the last year in terms of corporate social responsibility. And again, for care service, is extremely important.
0: You know, that's a really good point because obviously, that whole kind of um, diversity and you know equality um, has yeah risen up the agenda. And I think, you know, as consumers, we're more conscious of um, when we're making purchasing decisions of the companies we're dealing with. And like, you know, I guess, you know, for for companies like here, so and other print manufacturers, they need to have a very strong message around um, that to, you know, to help Ensure that you know customers and you know potential customers understand you know what their um, approach is in that space. And I think you know it's it's great to hear that that's something that you're you're very sort of focused on. And you know I guess that has been a huge change over, over the past year. Yeah,
1: I think that, in my personal point of view, and that's very personal. I think that the worst thing that you can do when you look at corporate social responsibility is to have a kind of selfish uh, motives uh, around it. I mean, you cannot try, you, you should not do this to, to get more business. I think that really that's a starting with the, with the ground fault. So I think you have to do this because, you know, any company is a part of the society and you need to contribute to the to the improvement of the society. That's it. I think there is a side effect and that will have an impact on your business. As you said, uh, customers will look uh, to, uh, to the type of companies that they're doing business with and they will understand uh, diversity and inclusion, and inclusion as an important element that they want to see in their suppliers. So that will be a positive or negative effect, depending on what you have, uh, which, uh, stance you have in, in those uh, matters. But my point of view, you don't have to look into it. I think you have to do it because it's the right thing to be done and uh, that's it.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. It's not just a checkbox mentality. Sorry. It has to be because you want to, to do that for your own business. And I think it's very much the same with sustainability. You know, we've seen In a lot of our research that more um, IT decision makers are selecting supplies that have strong sustainability credentials, but also can deliver solutions that help them reduce their environmental impacts. And I think, you know, as I said, this is another opportunity for NPS providers to really have those conversations with their customers and explain how... By using a managed print service, you know, if they go for a subscription model, it can reduce their operational expenses, they can actually, you know, potentially reduce their print volumes, improve their, you know, operational efficiency around documents and so on. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, that those five S's, I think, were, you know, really great um, way of actually putting that around in a framework. So, um, the, the, the mindset, I think, of traditional partners and, you know, I think also traditional OEMs are very much legacy focused around the, the business very much, you know, in the past been product focused rather than perhaps on business model um, innovation. And, you know, what do you think are the challenges that the industry as a whole is facing in terms of changing that legacy mindset to move towards these new business models? And, you know, I think that the, the industry has always been very innovative in terms of technology, but I think where it's perhaps been a lot slower than it's Traditional tech competitors is around business models and you know those adjacent solutions and services.
1: Yeah, I fully agree with you. I think that, um, as I said before, I have been in this industry for 25 years, and the way that we have been selling our services have been always the same way. We sell our devices and then we sell a maintenance contract based on a click price, and the customer pays for every click that they make. So that has been uh, around for a lot of years, and I think that will that will change. Uh, and I will see a big change in the, in the coming years. I think that nowadays everybody, uh, or in many industries, we see that uh, the products and services are sold um, and, and with a subscription-based contract. So you go to Spotify or you go to Netflix and then you pay a monthly fee and everything is included there. And you don't need to worry about anything else. I think that this will come to our industry. We're going to launch here in the US a very big initiative in, uh, around that. Uh, we're going to create a concept which is unlimited printing the customer will pay a, month, a monthly flat fee and everything will be included there with no counters no clicks you know that the customer will be able to pay to, uh, to print as much as, as they want i think this is the direction that this industry will take in the future and that requires a big drastic change that i don't think that is easy to be done, uh, and i don't think that we are even able to do it at this point. If you look at all those concepts, I think normally in our industry, we always thought that we want to create stickiness with our customers. We want to make sure that our customers stay with us as long as possible. But you go to Spotify or you go to Netflix, and there what you see is how easy it is to cancel your contract, and how easy it is to go to a different supplier. So it's the uh, totally the opposite uh, concept. It's not uh, about creating stickiness, it's about creating an easy way to break your relationship with me as a supplier. That's a huge change uh, that uh, is not easy to be done. Uh, It's not only in our industry. I think there are many industries that will go through that. But uh, I think we have to look around and we have to see that that those things that we like as an individual consumer, that we like to have that simplicity of doing business, of getting a service and also to break a contract or to interrupt a contract if we want to, we want to have the same approach when we do business with, uh, you know, in our, in our um, you know, companies, in our businesses. So, again, that, that will become a cultural change. And we always think, okay, but this is not in our industry. That's only uh, B2C. Well, I think that uh, you have to look around and things that happen out there in the society will come to you in one way or the other. So, I think that we need to be, uh, we have been always very innovative in our industry from a technology point of view, but also in the way that you do business
0: yeah absolutely and i think you know one key foundation of that is the cloud and you know we've seen the cloud adoption um just rapidly increase over the past year and You know, it's interesting you say, because obviously we see that in other industries like telecoms where, you know, you're tied into a contract and you, um, you know, people just stay with the same provider, even though it may be straightforward to, to change now. And I think it's very much about moving away from printers to printing and, you know, to the service and, you know, printing is just the commodity now, I guess. It's something that the industry has needed to do for a while, but I think, you know, the pandemic is really pushing these needs for subscription models. And it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, I think some vendors are doing that on the consumer side, but yeah, how do you translate that into a B2B environment? And I think cloud is going to be key because so many businesses are so used to using subscription models for cloud. So they'll want to use those same type of subscription models for other parts of their technology infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, everybody's looking at Amazon from an e-commerce perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that we, and you did a very nice paper recently about that i mean it's not only about amazon as an e-commerce provider look about uh, their uh, cloud offering they have they are becoming a major player there and i think they see a massive opportunity there because everything right now is moving to the cloud and i think companies they don't want to have physical service anymore they want the the simplicity and the flexibility that, that comes with the cloud and i think that's something again that we need to pay attention to
0: yeah, and I think the thing with Amazon is that they're completely um, customer-obsessed in terms of their focus, and it's very customer-centric in terms of how they developed all their um, different service offerings, and I think that's really where the, the print industry has to go from that product-first to customer-first okay. type approach. Um, so just um, going back on the point um, around IT services, so you mentioned that um, you're sort of encouraging the channel partners to, to move that way. Do you have any particular partnerships or collaborations with IT service providers, or is it something you're looking to um, grow organically?
1: Well, we we want to grow both organically and inorganically. I think that we have done uh, significant acquisitions in the the past. Uh, In the UK, we acquired acquired Anodata, and that has been a great success for us because we brought a lot of um, IT services knowledge and IT services revenue. We also acquired a company in Australia uh, with the same purpose. Here in the U.S. we are growing more organically so we have an important IT services division that we believe it's a really nice complement with the kind of services that we have been traditionally providing to our customers. We have long-standing relationships and we believe that we can uh, help the customers to integrate everything printing IT services in the same time of of, of contract. So I think the idea is to be able to grow both organic and inorganically and also again to help our dealers to grow, grow in that area. Here in the U.S. we see many dealers Getting into IT services, but we cannot ignore that you require significant investments to have uh, some uh, some presence in the IT services, and you need to have a critical mass in order to become uh, profitable, and that's not easy for all the dealers. So what we will try to do is that we want to be able to offer to our dealers our IT services so they can sell to the customers, but we provide all the uh, you know operating centers uh, control of the. Of the network and even products and services. So we're able to provide these services to the dealers. So I think that probably one of the areas of, uh, of um, major expansion for our industry will be uh, in terms of IT services and also in terms of ECM.
0: Yeah, because we're seeing more with our research that um, IT managers, IT decision makers are looking for one supplier to manage their IT infrastructure. And, you know, I think, again, that's an opportunity for MPS providers to either partner with other IT um, MSPs or be able to sort of develop an an offering that covers both print and IT services. And I know this is something that has been around for a long time, but I think now it's, you know, it seems to be a perfect timing to actually have a sort of joint offering um, across both print and IT. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear because, as you say, you know, um, IT services in the U.K. with Anidate. So I think that's really helped Kyocera in the U.K. really capture a much broader um, market from the IT services side.
1: And especially because right now, you know, with any customer that you talk to, the conversations around cloud, as you said before, it's about security, it's about uh, workflows, about process automation. So I think those kind of conversations are conversations that you have, even if you talk, I mean, you talk about IT, of course, but also you talk about printing. We can talk about printing and then we need to talk about cloud, we need to talk about security, we need to talk about workflows. So I think that uh, the connection between these two walls are, are really there and I think again having a company like we have in the UK like I Know Data is helping us a lot to be able to elevate our message and to understand the importance of those concepts.
0: So you know just finally really on what you see next for the industry and you know, we've talked a bit about cloud and online marketplaces and e-commerce um, IT services but um, what do you think you know probably would be the priority for the industry moving forward and also what's next for Sera?
1: Well for us uh, I think as I have been repeating in this, uh, in, uh, in this conversation I think that three, there are three important areas that uh, uh, will drive our future. We talk about IT services I think that would be very important. We talk about ECM. Uh, we have done also significant investments in uh, ECM. We acquired uh, three companies in, in Europe: uh, Sionic, Optimal Systems, and Evergreen, uh, to try to have uh, our own ECM technology. At the end, again with the pandemic, we see that any customer uh, or any employee of a customer uh, has to uh, initiate a, um, a workflow, a document process when you are in the office because you just kind of document, but then you go home and then you have to finalize that document process at home. So you need to be able to have a very nice integration of uh, workflow and ECM technology to be able to do all that. So we see a very natural expansion there. And the third bit area that we are investing a lot is in production inject. Although printing in the office may decline, but we see that the production of uh, the printing of variable data printing, uh, direct mailing, I think that there is a very significant market there that uh, we are investing in inject technology that uh, due to the, Um, very inexpensive uh, way of printing can be optimal for those kind of environments. So those three areas, uh, IT, uh, ECM, and production inject are the main areas that we're investing, of course, together with our traditional uh, printing technology. I mean, uh, this will change. We know the printing volumes will decline, but uh, printing will not go away. And uh, we want to keep on being a major player in that industry.
0: Okay, well that's great. You know, I think we really appreciate you taking the time to um, give us some insight into strategy and vision for a era in the US. Just as a final note, I know um you haven't been back to Spain for a while. So just you know, with the lockdown measures you know gradually being released, do you have any plans um, to go back to Spain?
1: Yes, of course, I haven't been there in the last two years, unfortunately, but uh, this summer we have plans to go there, so quite quite excited about it because not only, again, a big change of, of this, the consequence of the pandemic that I will have some time to be on vacation, but also I will be able to work from there. That, that's something that I never thought before. So that gives opportunities to to have a, a longer stay in my home country. And that's something I'm looking forward to do.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, thanks ever so much again, Oscar, for taking the time to, to join me today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the, the conversation and thank you for giving me this opportunity.
0: So, thank you for joining today's In the Spotlight with Quosirca podcast episode. For more information, please go to quosirca.com and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining, and I look forward to seeing you in our next episode.